You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum to preview Chris this Washington Commanders game on Sunday night football primetime, the second matchup. In three weeks, Giants got absolutely trounced by the Philadelphia Eagles in week 14, while the Commanders were in their second week of preparation for the New York Giants. They had three consecutive weeks preparing for the Giants, and this, it's not a playoff game, Chris, but it has a huge playoff feel, and the team who wins this game, their chances to make the playoffs are drastically better. Firstly, though, how you doing? You know, I'm doing well. I I have had this feeling like all day getting ready for this podcast. Like, haven't we done this before? Didn't we just do this? And yeah, we did. This is a weird schedule. You know, the, the second half of the Giants schedule and really the second half of the NFL's schedule in 2022 has just been weird. Yeah, having two teams play each other essentially back to back. Yeah, for Washington, this is a an immediate rematch. The Giants have a had a slight interruption with the Eagles there, but I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen anything quite like this on an NFL schedule. Especially with the bye week in between. I've seen teams, division rivals, play this close together. It's not frequent, but it is very unique, and I think the stars aligned for the NFL, right? Because both these teams are competing for a wild card berth. And this game, like like I said in the beginning of the show, it's almost like a playoff game because the winner has such a more significant chance to make the playoffs. And just looking at Washington's season in general, they make that trade for Carson Wentz. It's much maligned. It's mocked. Taylor Heineke, he assumes his position behind Wentz, and he's a good trooper about it. Yet they start one and four and they're terrible, and they look gross, and then they defeat Chicago. I believe Wentz started that game, if I'm not mistaken, but then Taylor Heineke assumed the reins as the starting quarterback, and they've only lost one game since. They tied the New York Giants the last time they saw the football game, and that loss was against Minnesota, a good football team, but they hardly lost that game. So you just want to talk about a tale of two halves. The Giants started the year 7-2, and two, and now it seems like they can't win a football game. Washington is one of the hottest teams in the league. It, it, it really it is a, like you were saying before we started, it is a long season, and things like this don't normally happen. Normally, if you start a season basically 1-2, and two, or 0-2, oh you know, we, we've seen that stat a bunch of times. Y- your season is, for all intents and purposes, over with. But for Washington this year, they really turned it around when they got Taylor Heineke as their quarterback when Carson Wentz got hurt, which in and of itself is something really weird because, and this is something we talked about you know, two weeks ago, Taylor Heineke is an objectively worse quarterback than. Carson Wentz, 
but he is a much better player, I think, than Carson Wentz is right <laughs> now. You know, Wentz has all of the all of the physical attributes are on his side. He's got a bigger, stronger arm. He's more accurate. He's a bigger human being. He is more athletic, and yet Taylor Heineke is the one they're winning with. Yeah, he has a much better rapport with their receivers. He is much more willing to go out and give their receivers a chance to make plays. And I think that that also goes to open up their running game because their passing game is a very legitimate threat, as we well know. With Taylor Heineke back there, even though he doesn't have the physical abilities that Carson Wentz does, so teams have to pay attention to Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson and that pulls guys out of the box to defend Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick. Absolutely. And I think one thing, too, about Taylor Heineke, and Chris, I think we should start with the Washington offense since we're already talking about it. But the one thing about Taylor Heineke that I believe he has over Carson Wentz is just between the ears. I think he processes defenses a little bit faster. But as we saw against the New York Giants, how many times did Taylor Heineke overthrow the middle of the field? Like Between the numbers is an issue for Taylor Heineke. Between the numbers, middle of the field, when there are those middle hook defenders underneath and those safeties deep, he missed Logan Thomas on an easy walk-in touchdown that probably would have won Washington the game, albeit that was in the first half. And then he also missed a couple dig routes to Terry McLaurin. So if there's a way the Giants can force him to make those throws instead of those throws up the sideline that he is just so eager to take whenever Terry McLaurin is in a one-on-one matchup. Maybe the Giants can try and stifle his ability to complete those passes because last week against the Giants, this dude dropped back 47 times. And now I get it. It was an overtime game, but still that is significantly more than he has dropped back in any other game. And he had 41 passing attempts in that game, 27 completions, completed 66% for 275 yards and two touchdowns. Ideally, I think Washington is is an offense that wants Taylor Heineke dropping back like 25 times in the game. They just want to run the football, but they more than likely will have success running the football when they run their counter, which they did so often against the New York Giants. But I don't think they want to have Heineke drop back as much. We just need the New York Giants defense to figure out a way, Chris, to stop that counter attack. Cause I felt like Brian Robinson, every time he touched the freaking football, he was picking up at least five yards. Yeah. And that really has been a problem for the giants defense all season long. Yeah, they're stout up the middle, which makes sense. That's where Leonard Williams is. That's where Dexter Lawrence is. That's where Jalen Smith and Tate Crowder are at their best when they're just able to come downhill be protected by those big defensive tackles and flow to the football. When the Giants defense has to start moving laterally, that is when the problems happen. When you get those counter runs or the the off tackle runs, the the pitch plays, and you make the Giants linebackers, defensive linemen flow laterally towards the towards the sideline. They really struggle with that. And that's when we really start to see those five, six, seven, eight yard runs start to pile up. And it has kind of gotten worse since Adoree Jackson and Xavier McKinney have been hurt. I think in part because Adoree Jackson's a surprisingly good run defender. He is a very physical tackler, which I think part of that comes from all the time he spent on special teams at USC. But 
having that guy out there on the perimeter who can take on blocks and make sound tackles or string runs out to the sideline, that really helps. And the Giants don't have that right now. No, they don't. And I think one thing that the Washington Commanders may be receiving back because they had this bye week in between the games, they might be getting these injured players back. On their defense, they could see Benjamin St. Juice, their starting cornerback, come back. I know Antonio Gibson was ailing with a foot. He's going to play, but still he might be even a little bit more healthy. We saw much more Brian Robinson against the Giants. But more importantly, that offensive line, because Samuel Cosme and Trey Turner are both dealing with injuries. Those guys have been playing right guard. Samuel Cosme, he was a tackle coming out of Texas, a second-round pick back in 2021. But both of those right guards are injured right now. It appears like they were both working, I think, in a limited capacity in practice. But I felt like if neither of those guys would be able to go, that would have been an excellent development for Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams if Leonard Williams is able to play. Yes, but looking at it right now, it looks like both Cosme and Trey Turner are going to be available on Sunday night. Washington might even be getting Andrew Norwell healthy. So that offensive line is going to be, for the most part, healthy, or at least healthier than the last time we saw them. They will be using a backup center. Uh, Tyler Larson was injured in the last game with the Giants, suffered a dislocated kneecap, which, again, ow. So maybe that center position is someplace the Giants can attack, get Dexter Lawrence, head up, zero technique on that center. Maybe show some double A-gap blitzes. Those are usually pretty effective just in general. And when you have a backup center where communication problems can crop up, the guy is just probably not as good a player as the starter. That can be something I think the Giants could look to exploit to disrupt, I, I think, in the running game and the passing game. And looking at what Wink Martindale, oh, I apologize. I was just going to say, looking at what Wink Martindale likes to do, Giants lead the league in blitz rate. But against Washington two weeks ago, they only blitzed Washington about 32% of the time, which is, I believe, the lowest of the season. Yes, I think the other lowest was against Tennessee back in week one. And then against Green Bay, they blitzed 34% of the time. Against Jacksonville, it was 36% of the time. Yet, they still were able to generate pressure on 42.6% of Taylor Heineke's dropbacks. They were getting home. And I think with the healthy Aziz Ojolari, he saw the impact that he had against Washington forcing that fumble. If Leonard Williams can play in this game and play the entire game, along with Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, O'Shane Zimenez, who I believe is Taylor Heineke's former teammate in college, I think the Giants will be able to harass this kid. And that could be the difference. That could be the one way the Giants, well, there, there are plenty of ways the Giants win this game, but that could be the primary way the New York Giants win this football game is by pressuring Taylor Heineke into mistakes and disallowing him from finding these dynamic receivers because their 11 personnel package is pretty dangerous. Yeah, it really is. They've got they've got weapons at all five positions. They've got three receivers who we know can gash a defense if they get one-on-one matchups, if they are able to win those matchups. They've got running backs who can pick up good yardage out of the backfield. And also with Antonio Gibson, with JD McKissick, guys who are dangerous with the ball in their hands in space. Yeah, Brian Robinson, not 
much of a receiver at this point. He can catch the ball, but he, he isn't as dynamic and dangerous as Gibson and McKissick. And then they've still got Logan Thomas out there who, you know, you talked about this earlier. If Taylor Heineke doesn't overthrow him, he had a walk-in touchdown against the Giants. And we say this every week. If the other team has a good tight end, the Giants have to pay attention to him. They cannot afford him to get loose because the Giants just kind of suck at defending tight ends. They have for a while. They really do need an upgraded linebacker, and they have for a long, long, very long time now. I'm a little, I guess, uh, scared is one word about this 11 personnel package with Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. We saw what Dotson did on the one touchdown where he was just breaking tackles, which is somewhat uncharacteristic of a Wink Martindale defense They're they, Most of the season, they've typically been a sure tackling squad, but now you have replacement level players in there. You know, Wink Martindale is going to come out. He's going to run a lot of man coverage. I'm sure Scott Turner and Ron Rivera are aware of that as well. So you're going to see so much just breaking over the middle of the field, drag routes, crossing routes, wide cross, plays like that that are man beaters. That's going to put guys like Nick McLeod and the rest of the young cornerbacks that the Giants decide to align out there, the Zion Gilberts of the world. It's going to put them into a tough spot. So that's probably the thing I'm most nervous about in terms of the matchup of Washington's offense against the New York Giants defense. It's that or it's stopping the counter run, which we brought up, because I don't know how many times Scott Turner dialed it up against the Giants, but it seemed like almost every single play. And like I said a little bit earlier, it was like five yards, five yards, five yards. And if you keep doing that, it's going to uh, it's going to lead to a huge disparity that we saw in the tie. How, how long did Washington possess that football for? It was significantly more than the New York Giants did because they were able to get such chunk plays. And that's how Washington wins these football games. That's how Washington defeated Philadelphia on Monday night football. They just kept getting chunk plays, not even the huge 15-yard explosive plays or anything like that. It was five yards here, three yards there, eight yards here, seven yards, six, you know? So... I don't know, Chris. I'm I'm a little nervous about how the Giants are going to slow down this offense, even though they have a quarterback that I feel like is susceptible to mistakes and doesn't have, I would say, a powerful arm. Yeah, I, I do think it is going to come down to that battle in the trenches. Can the Giants get pressure either up the middle or around the edge? Thibodeau and Ojolari have been playing some really good football the last couple weeks, really starting with the last time these two teams matched up. I do wonder if... Washington might take uh, some steps to protect Heineke just a little bit, uh, maybe use a little bit more of the quick game themselves. What, one thing I have noticed on tape is their general philosophy towards offense is similar to what the Giants have shown this year, to, to how the Giants have played. They want to run the ball. They want to win with the ball on the ground. And like you said, they don't really want their quarterback dropping back more than 20, 25 times a game. However, the big difference is that Taylor Heineke is allowed to look a lot further down the field and really turn the ball loose a lot more often than Daniel Jones has been. Yeah, Jones has, for the most part, had a lot of very short, very quick, high percentage passes where Heineke, I think maybe due to the rapport he has with the receivers, the trust he has, he's airing it out more than the Giants quarterbacks have been. 
Yeah, he has. And I think the Giants coverage reflected that a little bit just because I know Wink Martindale called more cover four quarters types of concepts against Washington than he did any other team. And you ne- you wouldn't necessarily equate quarters and, and cover four with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. So I think a lot of that is also just specific to certain situations that were going on in that game. But this is also proportional to having overtime uh, with overtime as well, not just they called it more because of overtime because it's it's uh, by ratio, not necessarily by plays called. But Chris, we're going to get into the Giants offense against the commander's defense. But first, we have to Take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chris, the New York Giants offense, where to start? I have an idea. We got to start with this offensive line. It has been an issue for quite a while. It was an issue earlier in the season, but the Giants were able to overcome it because they were more efficient in terms of run blocking. Now the efficiency with run blocking has declined and the pass protection woes, I feel like are maybe even a little bit more enhanced. How are the Giants offensive line going to handle the likes of Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, and possibly even Chase Young? Oof. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if we didn't already see the answer to this. We saw the Giants go with a lot, a lot, a lot of, really quick throws against Washington last time around. It really seemed like the Giants wanted to do everything in their power to keep that pass rush from getting into the back row from affecting Daniel Jones. I fully expect to see a lot more of those uh, play-action boot plays, uh, get Jones running away from the pass rush, get him outside of the pocket, quick one-read maybe two read passes and the giants are going to try at least to lean on Saquon Barkley and the running game. Now I don't really see their, their game plan deviating all that much from what we saw against Dallas and Washington and Philly. You know, these teams that have very, very good defensive lines that are able to generate pressure really almost at the drop of a hat. I hope they incorporate more quick game. That's something that I've been calling for since essentially this Washington loss because we saw in overtime just simple slant flats. It's a simple combination where you're reading one defender and then you're just allowing Isaiah Hodgins, who was the recipient on a lot of those slant flats in overtime against Washington, to find space. And once the 
flat route, which was typically the running back, takes his course, that middle linebacker, or you can call it, I guess, a weak side linebacker, will, expands laterally, and that opens that throwing window. And it's an easy read for Daniel Jones. You can get six, seven, eight yards on plays like that. And I think it's just another way you can throw the football effectively because the Giants haven't done that all season, really, with any consistency. All of their big throws are either explosive plays down the sideline and one-on-one matchups, which I hope the New York Giants still try to execute. But everything else is just based off the play action, the bootleg, the rollout. And I feel like a lot of teams have kind of caught on to that. I will say this, though, Chris. Washington played cover two against the Giants in terms of the ratio and the percentage more than any other team in the league. And I think a big reason for that was the Giants did take some deep shots and Darius Slayton was threatening the defense with his speed. I still think that should be a part of this game plan in week 15. Yeah, and I think it will be as well because I think the Giants know they do need to do something to shake up the or shake loose the underneath area of the defense to create room for their running backs. Saquon Barkley, most you know, he's going to be carrying the ball the most. We might see some more Gary Brightwell, Matt Breida. I wouldn't expect it to be a whole hell of a lot more. Uh, Barkley's touched the ball more than pretty much anyone not named Daniel Jones in this offense, and maybe John Feliciano. But other than that, yeah, you know, I, I, I do, like you say, expect to see more quick game. I'm curious to see how the commander's defense adapts to that. Will they play more cover two, maybe some quarters? Uh, if they get Benjamin St. Juice back, will that affect anything? And one thing that I think is worth noting is that in when that game went to overtime, both Deron Payne and John, Jonathan Allen were injured. Washington was without their best pass rushers when the Giants went to their quick game. So I don't know how that would have changed matters either way. If the ball was getting out before those guys would have even had a chance to affect the throw, or if they were beating the interior of the Giants offensive line so quickly, it would have affected the throw, affected the running, the, I'm sorry, the passing lanes at the very least. I would like to imagine that when you're operating a quick game offense, two interior defensive linemen aren't going to get that immediate pressure. But then I watched the New York Giants all season, and I know that that would not be an accurate assessment of this team because the interior pressure that Mark Lewinsky specifically has allowed, it's been an issue. Nick Gates had a bad game against the Eagles. I'm not worried about Nick Gates at all, but I am worried a little bit about Mark Lewinsky. Coach Dable, Chris, said that Ben Bredesen was close to returning against Philadelphia and he's making progress. Do you think, and I know this is a little bit of a side tangent here, but do you think if Ben Bredesen is ready to go, you think Mark Lewinsky starts, but is on a short leash in this game and there might be some offensive line jumbling or is the offensive line jumbling too much of a risk right now? Because I believe it's a risk, but at the same time, if you're jumbling a situation that is just not working, then I'm open to the jumbling. (laughs) I think maybe a short leash might make sense, but that is that is a risk, like you say, because you're taking a guy who has been in place really all season long. He hasn't really moved. He hasn't really missed snaps. And yes, he has really struggled lately. 
but do you replace him mid-game next to a rookie with a guy who has missed the last month more than I think with an injury and this is his very first action back yeah that is also a risk and I'm not sure the Giants really have any good options other than Glowinski starting the game and playing a lot better yeah and that's something that we have to hope for but excuse me it's it's a tough matchup it's a very tough matchup these is one of the best duos in terms of defensive tackles. And I think it's underrated, probably because they play in Washington, and Washington is Washington. But Jonathan yes. Allen and Deron Payne are just just really difficult to deal with. I'm hoping, like I said, more quick game. But this commander's defense, they could have Benjamin St. Juice back. Will Chase Young play? There's a lot of unanswered questions at the time of this recording on Thursday morning. But I think if Chase Young is back, he's more than likely going to be on a pitch count. But... Just having him back, I think, could also still pose a problem if he's aligned against a player like Evan Neal, who we need to to develop and and play at a more consistent rate. Because last week he did struggle against the Eagles front. Yes, he did. He did struggle, and there was some speculation that Neal might have been, yeah, you know, not maybe dealing with some kind of ding or injury. I think everybody pretty much is at this point. The Giants did say after the game that. He wasn't avail- available to talk to the media. He had to go. He had to go see the trainers. It so. might have been an elbow. And I say this, and I didn't want to cut you off, Chris. But no, go ahead. When we were watching, when we were watching film, I saw him grab his elbow and fall on the ground, and then get up, just holding it. And it was in like the first quarter. He had already gotten beat at that point for for like two of the bad losses that he had, but I wouldn't be shocked. It might've been the second quarter, but early in the second quarter, I wouldn't be shocked if he hurt his elbow in that game. Cause he looked like he was really in some discomfort. And that very well could be maybe something, maybe a hyperextension or something like that. And that could be, uh, that could be something to watch out for if Chase Young is out there and lines up across from him because Chase Young hasn't had the production I think a lot of people were expecting just based on his college career and how he was able to absolutely take over games at Ohio State, but he is an explosively powerful edge rusher out there, and if if an offensive tackle, offensive lineman in general, has a problem with their levers, with their arms, that makes it very, very difficult for them to execute. You know, we've seen guys have problems with their shoulders and just not be able to hold up, especially if guy gets to the bull rush or something like that. You're just not able to transmit the force. So if he has any kind of an imbalance out there, that will open up avenues for opposing pass rushers to take advantage. Uh, I don't think that if he gets matched up against Montez Sweat, that that is any better for him because Sweat is also big absurdly long and ridiculously explosive longest human being in the world no, i'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> montez, montez sweat is such a it's such a big dude he had the broadest shoulders i've ever seen in person but this team we know something about jack del rio he's gonna use a lot of nickel and dime sub packages like they never use base personnel so you're gonna have three safeties on the field and theoretically you want to run the football against that you think you can have a size advantage go out there in 12 personnel and guess what you're out there in 12 personnel they're still not going to run base, but their safeties, Derek Forrest, the fifth round pick from 2021, and Cameron Curl, who was 
a guy they got in the seventh round of 2020 in his rookie season. He was like, wow, this guy is it. Those guys are so damn good fitting the run and coming downhill, and they align them in the box sometimes that the Giants can't even establish an advantage with their rushing attack against a freaking nickel and dime defenses. Like, that's a big issue. And I'm not sure if it's because the Giants are ineffective or it's just because Washington is so damn good against the run. Maybe a little of column A, a little of column B there. Because like <laughs> you say, they, those young safeties are very good at coming up and filling. Yeah, I also wonder what happens with Richie James. We saw the Giants sign a new return specialist. Richie James is dealing with a concussion. He has been the Giants' slot receiver. And he has, except for the muff punts a couple weeks ago, he has not played badly. He has run good routes. He has caught the ball when it's come his way. He's got good hands, good body control. He's very quick. And the Giants do make good use of that, particularly when they need the, there's five, seven yards they absolutely need. Richie James has kind of been their go-to guy. So I, I really do wonder how they're going to adapt if he is not there. Will we see more 12 personnel? Maybe uh, Lawrence Cager gets gets activated and he gets out there because we did see some plays specifically for him as a receiving tight end, and he was pretty impressive. So maybe Bellinger and Cager are, are out there for the Giants. Yeah, because I think the thought process was behind signing Nick Vanette was the upgrade as a blocker. But we haven't necessarily seen that, in my opinion. It's not like Vanette's bad as a blocker, but I haven't seen him be like a Daniel Bellinger type of blocker, whereas Daniel Bellinger, a rookie, is a dominating young man out there for a tight end. Loose, low enough is the mantra <laughs> for a tight end, and I feel like he does an excellent job with that. One more thing about this commander's defense that kind of pissed me off during the matchup was John Bostic was really good in that game, like, like <laughs> insanely good. Like this is a, a veteran guy. I think he's in his early 30s. He's been around the league for quite a bit, has been in Jack Del Rio's defense for quite a while. But I felt like that guy was just always in position, always where he needed to be against this Giants rushing attack. The combination of him and Jamin Davis was not as weak as I thought it was going into the Week 13 matchup. Yeah, and I do wonder how... Basically being able to concentrate on nothing but the Giants for most of a month is going to work out for Davis. Yeah, you know, like you said, John Bostic, he is a veteran. He is 31. I remember when he was coming out of Florida, and that was a long time ago. Literally 10 years ago. He was drafted in uh sorry. Yeah, he was uh drafted, I believe, in 2012-2013. But Jamin Davis, he has bet he is a phenomenal athlete for as a linebacker, but yeah, between the ears, his football IQ, his processing, that sort of thing have really kind of held him back. I do wonder if being able to concentrate on nothing but the Giants offense is going to allow him to play faster, which that's another area that could be a concern for the Giants, but they could also throw some, some new wrinkles out there and maybe attack Davis. And that's what we're hoping. But Chris, do you have anything else on this really crucial week 15 matchup against the Commanders? No, you know, just as usual, I really wish it had stayed a one o'clock game, not a night game. <laughs> Let's get the eyeballs on us, Chris. Like, that's what's going on. The entire NFL world is going to watch <laughs> the New York Giants and the Commanders. And as Giant fans know, the New York Giants do not have the best track record in primetime. I believe the last time they won a primetime game was in 
2018 against a two and seven Nick Mullins led 49ers. How does that make you feel? Was it that long ago? Really? 2018 was that long ago. Wow. It makes me feel old, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we'll leave it at that. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio to preview this upcoming game against the Washington Commanders. Please head on over to bigblueview.com where we have all of our written content and enjoy the game. Let's go Giants. Take care of each other and have a lovely day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the phone? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.